brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by Midday Squares. Have you ever tried a Midday Square? They are the first functional chocolate bar and they're making waves. They're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and non-GMO. They have 6 grams of protein, 4 grams of fiber, and omega-3s. Most importantly, they kill hunger, fuel your brain, boost your mood, and all from natural energy. They're everything a chocolate bar isn't and everything a protein bar wishes it was. Use the code KELSEY15 at checkout to get 15% off today. Ian McCall is on the show today. He is somebody I have been <laughs> super stoked to talk to because we have been trying to get this done since March. Thankful to Jesse Gould from Heroic Hearts Project for linking us up. You have got You've got a lot, and we're going to try to cram this in in a tight amount of time, but then we're going to have you back on again. First off, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You've gone from getting professionally punched in the face for a living to being one of the biggest psychedelic uh, users, awareness individuals in our community, but somebody that is really not only changing the game, but you're making others realize that there is healing in a different way. And I would love to get into all things. So let's start with... Why the hell did you decide to get punched in the face for a living? People would, especially if you saw my family and how we grew up. I mean, I I grew up part of the one percent. Uh, I have my family's tied back to Franklin Pierce, the president of the United States of America, the guy that started the Civil War for slavery. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I I'm if I wasn't so good at fighting or so good at sports and my parents didn't have money like they do, um, I'd be labeled autistic or something. And and they also wouldn't ever put me in a, to see a doctor that would try and medicate me and stuff. It was always nat natural homeopathic stuff. Um, <clears throat> and they saw my propensity for martial arts because they saw my propensity for violence. I got in fights. I got kicked out of like four of the private schools here for because kids like to lip off in private school and they think that someone's going to save them but there's always you know i was crazy um and that was my i that was my outlet you know i had science as a kid and then i had martial arts and i was like mm, science bye-bye um and you know it led me to become professional at 18 i was or i was training by doing martial arts since i was four i was wrestling and doing jujitsu by the time i was 14 I was 
uh, beating up grown men down at the beach because I don't know how to surf. Well, I'm, I know how to surf. I grew up, I have a bunch of friends that are professional surfers, like the best surfers in the world. And I just suck at surfing. So <laughs> machismo fight you kind of sport. So I was always beating people up, just getting practice. Um, then I went pro and then I was part of the building of the sport. And when I got to college, Chuck Liddell, uh, was like you know is still like my older brother now um him and my other best friend i was basically living on their couch and they they knew it they're like you're going to be a world champion one day just you know stick with us and we'll we'll guide you just like people have been doing in the sport since i was 15 14 um but to, to have that kind of laid out in front of me i mean the ufc tried to build a division for me like they, to be the first sort of lightweight conor mcgregor before conor wasn't around so i just have to use that example i'm good at business uh, I know all the right people. I've known Dana forever. So I got like, here you go, little buddy. And then I blew it and I went back to drugs and, and um, just my overall addictions as a, just all of them. Um, and then my career was this whole sort of thing, dramatic and again, addicted, get sober, do good, addicted, you know, just this back and forth, um, really bad spot. You know, by the time I retired, I knew what a gun tasted like, you know, I, I, for years, I wanted to kill myself. Um, and then it got so bad that, you know, it was bound to happen. But I had already, we as a family had helped heal my daughter with cannabis. First is diet and exercise. Those are the first two things. I went back to the whole science thing that I love. I, I, I'm a researcher now. That's why I get so much credit in the scientific community because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And be able to digest what someone like Melissa Dawn at Field Trip or Matthew Johnson at Johns Hopkins, these people I can text and bother at whatever, all hours of the night when I'm bored. Um, I can take their information and I can, you know, dumb it down for the rest of us. And I, I, after seeing my daughter get better, you know, I knew like, okay, I'm not going to kill myself because she needs me. I have to be here for her. And I already knew about microdosing. I studied it more, you know, I had friends like Joe Rogan at the time um, where, you know, I just was around people talking about it and I started to use it. And I already knew about it before I, I retired from fighting, but I never put it into practice. I had taken mushrooms a bunch. I, I, I ate acid for the first time when I was like 12. Um, and I started oh, smoking, shit. smoking weed when I was eight. My dad smuggled cannabis around the world. So uh, I grew up in the cannabis industry. And um, not that that's good, but cannabis since eight has in 30 years has never done me wrong. Uh, but the opiates and all that stuff, of course, would do that. Um, so I got better. I had a, a, a job at a big fancy gym here in Laguna Niguel. And they had a bunch of, you know, testing type equipment. And, you know, it's where all the richest people are. And I had a lot of clients and was like this fun toy that I got to go around and I healed my brain. Uh, I didn't definitely didn't heal my sex addiction definitely didn't heal my partying, you know, but I was, I was trying, I was getting through the process and I realized what I was doing. I was start, I sit, sat with a shaman. I was, I was like, okay, this all has to change. I'm, I'm stuck on happy. Like, I'm, 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 I'm so good now I'm healed, but I didn't heal spiritually. And I've been on this quest, um, 
not only to teach harm prevention within the space, because the more the more accessibility people have to this, as a you know, I own a microdosing company, you know, probably the biggest name in the in the industry right now. Um, this is what got me on the cover of LA Weekly. It's 16 million copies printed. I've been in Forbes, I've uh, been on HBO, done a lot of really cool things. And this is such a low dose, kids take it. Like little autistic children can take this. Soccer moms, I call it the soccer mom dose because if you take one, you're not going to get high. That's what a microdose is, people. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't feel it. I'm like, I know, man. That's all the my, point. <laughs> all my friends in cannabis are like, yeah, bro, these are weak. I'm like, they're not for you. They're they're straight up. If you want, you make your own product. You make it strong. I'm not trying to do that, right. um, because there has to be a standardized. I mean, this is extract. It's measured out. It's our own proprietary, you know, extraction method. Um, and I, I'm I've taken an approach where first I was all in, jump in head first. Let me break you off with a big dose, like I did with Dean Lister on HBO, and it works. It worked for me. It worked for Dean, but it doesn't work for everybody. You know, um, and and kind of along my path, I've kind of accomplished all these things, which are cool. Just just being the advocate. Melissa Don once told me, I'm the queen bee, you're the worker bee. It's This is called the pollination effect. You're going to go out and pollinate all the people's minds with your blue check mark. Because people don't listen to doctors or scientists anymore. They listen to douchebags like me, who most of the time are just saying ridiculous information. And... I'm 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 trying to do the exact opposite and turn the turn the light like shh, look at me look at me okay check this out look at listen to the the scientists listen to these people that taught me a bunch of stuff and and granted now I mean I don't know all of it I know a lot of it I can parrot it back to people like I can study it myself I'm working with uh, with a big ketamine company uh, I've been doing that for a while I'm actually switching companies it looks like I might I, we're in the process of it um, as a coach and as a, a researcher and you know tying things like Johns Hopkins into UFC I, I had them shake hands and they said yes that's what got me a lot of attention when Dana got cornered by Spencer Fisher the fighter and Spencer was like fuck you, you you're not doing anything for us I have brain damage I'm doing real bad and, and I love Spencer I've been helping Spencer for a while um dana was like no 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 we're we're, we're working with john <laughs> and ian set it up and everyone chill was out like, oh, and then so i got all this love and, and kind of uh the spotlight on me where um even though that they couldn't come to terms johns hopkins blew it they 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 like were like this is what we need from you guys give it to us and then we'll do a study and ufc mm. with parameters and i'm like are you fucking stupid why are you doing that you need it so Anyways, that that didn't work. Now, uh, University of Miami is is going because I'm the conduit to the UFC on this sort of stuff. Uh, they know all I, I all I want to do is help the fighters. That's my only thing. I'm I don't need money out of this. I'm retired. I don't need you know any sort of shine. Um, just want to help the kids. Right. And you know, so they're planning on tailor making it to them. You know, and then I have this ketamine approach for major sports. You know, and it's it's all to not only heal selfishly my people fighters but eventually um go to big other big sporting organizations or monster energy red bull sort of approach where first it starts with an athlete and the bosses and then then has a trickle down effect because everyone deserves these sort of things and and take it for academy for instance that is our psychedelic foot in the door whether you like it or not or or whatever people think about it it's helping us 
bridge the gap with your every everyday person because most people don't want to go see a shaman they don't want to see me a yoga teacher talking about light and love and energy you know <laughs> they want to get the medicine from a doctor have it sent to their house and right. do their, their therapy in the dark and talk to someone like this over telemedicine and i've seen the benefits of it so it, it we're we're here now you know we've this this is this is if people people don't give ketamine enough credit why do you think ketamine over something like psilocybin is the is the gateway and the reason i ask is because you've got people in I'm, so if you didn't know i'm canadian unfortunately and uh i love being canadian i just don't currently love canada um yeah. anyway <laughs> yeah yeah so what i was gonna say is uh the reason i i bring up why ketamine and not psilocybin is because you've got people up here like theracil who are advocating and have been advocating for section 56 use of um uh, compassion, uh, compassionate use of, of psilocybin. And then you also have parts of the government in Canada who just decriminalize a whole bunch of different, what they call drugs. And that falls into this kind of area. So I'm just wondering why ketamine, it feels like it might be harder to access over something like psilocybin. No, no. Uh, in, in America, you, psilocybin still illegal. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's legal or it's decriminalized. I'm like, it, it, it doesn't give it a market that doesn't give it any right. science, anything um unless you're like a, a real researcher a chemist or a doctor like there's very few people working in the space legally mm. uh now ketamine's 100 legal in the u.s it's schedule three so they can send it in the mail oh really uh, doctors can prescribe it so that's why they got, got it that's just the one the one and i mean not the only reason but that's the main reason like some it, it is being abused in like crazy. It's the, it's the, the new cocaine in Hollywood. Um, yeah. I'm in Hollywood. Uh, when I go out, I go out in LA. All my friends live in LA. The companies I work for that work in LA. The women I date are usually in LA. Um, I, I just, yeah, I know it's a shit. <laughs> I didn't say a I, word. But I get, but that's where I grew up here and I'm kind of famous. So I have a lot of cool friends and I get to go do all this. There's nothing shit. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's my superpower. Pretty girls like me and the prettiest girls are there. And, you know, it's like, it's easy a, now. It's a weird cycle of, of, of this thing that I get stuck in and it's frustrating. But anyways, um, I go to these parties and I see all these people that I know or all these people I don't know. And and it, the shift is changing because number one, cocaine will kill you. I have nothing against cocaine, uh, but it's the fact that it's poison. Like if you go to South America and do it, it's really fucking good. Um, you know, not, I mean, yeah, okay, I've done it. Uh, but you know, it, it's when you get it up here, it's, it's illegal, number one. Number two, it's the whole thing is unethical and it is poisonous, it has fentanyl in it, it'll kill you. It's dangerous. Uh, it's very dangerous. You know, I, I'm not against it. You want to just smoke meth, just do it, do it with, with integrity. If you can, <laughs> you know, like I don't even do Coke anymore. This was a long time ago when I was down there. Right. But the, the change of you know, the, the tide with drugs is becoming better. And you see a lot of influential people, even though they have no idea about the inner workings of it are getting there. You know, mm -hmm. these are all influencers. Like I went to a party not that long ago with a bunch of that exact thing. The, the, all the, from, you know, Michael Jackson's kids to, you know, these artists and these musicians and whatever. And it's like, everyone was, you know, really, really into the space and caring about each other. Not the usual 
bratty, kind of annoying, petty. Egotistical. Yeah, that all that stuff's being pushed out. I mean, my method, my McCall method, I just am creating all the content for it, all the the literature or the programming for it. Um, of all people, they want me on the movie sets, coaching, you know, team building exercises and, and kind of this like sort of thing. Good. Okay, yeah, really? It was like, hmm, all right, well, let's let's give this a shot. Uh and because whether it's makeup or whether it's whatever parts of when you're on set in Hollywood is very catty is very talking trash and drama. And, you know, that stuff's, it's not good for production or not good for, for productivity. Oh, good. Uh, So it's the same as the veteran world. I just wanted to make sure because the human condition, that is the human condition, but people put their egos above all. And it's nice to see that the transition is happening and people's egos are getting put out the window and they're realizing that we're actually just one person. We're just all connected. And if you treat somebody that way, you're really just treating yourself that way. Yeah. 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 And exactly. It's all coming back to you. I tell people, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you, you you live with someone, a roommate, a loved one, whatever it is, the first thing you should do is go out there and, and just give them good energy. Tell them you love them. They look beautiful or whatever it is and give them a big hug. Mm-hmm. And like wake up and like, mm. you know, it's like, no, no, no. You do that to them. You're doing it to you because if you are doing a negative, they're going to come around and bite you in the ass later. And it's, and it's why, why would you do that? You know, we, we need to be positive. It's, it's uh, I was once asked, where is your energetic output going? You know, mm. what, also, what sort of energy are you putting towards this thing? Is it positive? Is it negative? You know, what's your thought process? And then you can peel from there with, you know, neuro-linguistics programming. What are the stories you're telling yourself? What are the stories you're telling other people? And you can kind of put it all together. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that. I think that's really useful. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy to hear that, that perspectives are changing because unfortunately, whether we like it or not, Hollywood or any sort of, a you know, large conglomerate that puts out content, you know, they're, they're going to be the example for individuals, whether it's young people or it's just people who mindlessly watch Netflix until they're blue in the face, they're going to absorb that information just the same way people do when they watch the news. And then they wonder why they feel horrible after they watch an hour of the news. And so I think that's really important. I'm glad to see you're doing it. When you're talking about things like microdosing, um, and you're saying the soccer mom level, you're talking about Argos in particular, and that is your microdosing company. Yes. Okay. So we were talking briefly uh, before the show, kind of about something that was uh, really near and dear to your heart, but that you're working on. That is something I haven't heard uh, somebody come into this space and look at from this perspective. And that was autism and microdosing. So I'd love to touch on that if you would, please. Um, Wow. So the first time I ever saw someone, you know, with autism um, ingest a microdose, I, it's a grown person, a 24 year old man who is, you know, a giant <laughs> just a big very smart kid but no social interaction the first time i meet him i'm, I'm taking his mother on a date um and his mother's a scientist you know ucla professor um the person that has taught me 
probably more than anyone else in this world, my ex-girlfriend. And I meet him and he's happy to give his mother away. You know, he knows what kind of, you can see him a good person, how happy she is. And he has all the tics, the shake, the no eye contact, the stutter. And, you know, I'm like, all right, good to see you, man. I, I've dealt with with autistic kids my whole life teaching martial arts. They're, they're always better than the rest of us, realistically, mentally, you know, they just can't put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next time I go to pick her up again, I'm walking in the front door and there's bunch of glass on the front door and i see them moving around and he opens the door and grabs my hands like, what's up man have a good night and just says a few things to me and i was like okay cool yeah all right good to see you uh grab her get in the car and i looked at her and i went holy shit you dosed him like, <laughs> yeah and i was like what did you give him she gave him a little bit of mdma and mushrooms and to see the instantaneous change in this this person was incredible now after that and to see the next few years of his life change where you know finishing his degree working 50 hours a week being a caretaker and you know like like helping people and and just being the man he was meant to be you know like leading family meetings and just like this whole thing i was like wow it's incredible and then you know, I, I can never advocate people giving their children uh, any sort of illicit substance, but they do. And sometimes when they do, they contact me, um, whether it's before or after. And they say, look, this is what I've been doing. Um, and I just reassure them, just like pregnant women, and I get shit for this all the time, uh, like with cannabis, what you were saying, um, can I take this? And mm-hmm. information directly from major universities like Johns Hopkins, um, pregnant breastfeeding, autistic, whatever it is, we are biologically the same as children. There's no change in us. It's no, I don't know what people think. We grow up and turn into something else. No, 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 no. We're the same. And there's no negative effect. There's no negatively affected mechanism, mechanism in the body um, with psychedelics. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is producing positive chemicals in the brain brain derived neurotrophic factor glutamate glutamate's a precursor for uh, nad um that's all you're doing you're rewiring the brain you're you're letting all parts of the brain access them the, each other because usually they speak on separate time they, they do things on their own and then when you have everything synced up you know and, and you're also smoothing out everything and healing all those receptors uh that's when you have that epigenetic neurogenesis word or neuroplasticity and <clears throat> Yeah, it, it's, this is okay for people, for everybody, you know, I mean, there, there's some people being medicated, uh, I shouldn't say everybody, because it's not good for everybody, uh, most people, but do your due diligence, especially before you give it to a kid or someone who's, you know, afflicted with something like autism, or when you're pregnant, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask a doctor, because they're gonna probably yell at you, mm-hmm. um, I just don't know much about this. Uh, but do the research online. Do your do it yourself. You're a big. You're an adult. Um, you can figure it out. You know, and and read a lot. Go read. Go to the thirdwave.co. Um, go to that's the best website for sure. But um, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of there's a lot of resources out there, and and you'll find that you know these things are safe. It's really interesting to hear you talk about children and things like uh, psychedelics because it. <sighs> You know, on my recent trip, that was something that I, I think I 
was able to resonate with a little bit more was that we really are just children. We're not, you know, when people are talking about trauma and going through things, all that I could see when we were sitting in, when we were sitting in group was these huge six foot tall dudes would shrink down right in front of me to my six-year-old son. And I would see the point of trauma impact and it would make all of the sense in the world. And so when treating people with psychedelics, I, you know, I'm also very careful to say things like, you know, if somebody has a history of mental health, yeah, maybe talk to somebody like you who would have a little more insight. You know, a lot of people are are very afraid of having schizophrenic breaks or having these things happen to the brain. And I think that's all relevant. Um, I do say though, that there needs to be a lot of care when it comes to giving anybody a psychedelic. So that goes for children and grown adults. Um, a lot of people nowadays just resort to Google, which I think is a terrible resource. And I think they should be going outside of that to have different types of conversations, not just with uh, pharmaceutical pushing doctors, but also with other individuals. Uh, you've seen so much damage happened over the past little while. Hey, you, have you checked in with yourself today? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Have you had enough water? This is your midday check-in brought to you by Midday Squares. Big breath in. <sighs> I'm back at it. Whether it's in the veteran community, first responder, or in the civilian population with overprescription of far, um, overprescribing a pharmaceutical medication, the United States and Canada being on one of the top two lists of antidepressants uh, in the world. And we're supposed to be the best places to live in the world. And yet we seem to be the ones that are doing it ass backwards. For example, in Peru, many of the healers, maestros and mistras, they breastfeed and ingest ayahuasca while pregnant. Um, There are plenty of things that other countries and cultures are doing that for some reason, we in the United States and Canada Britain, otherwhere, everywhere else anyone's listening to this uh, seem to advocate for only giving pharmaceutical drugs. When you're dealing with somebody with autism, or this is a great one. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, there goes my brain. TBI. Un, un momento. Uh, hey, yeah, it's fine. When you're dealing with people with TBIs, when you're dealing with epilepsy, there it is. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with these types of things, I would love to hear a little more on your thoughts of, you know, in depth on autism and things like, um, autism, autism and on things like, um, uh, seizures in children's and because there's a lot of, a lot of new evidence in these spaces that you don't need pharmaceutical intervention to not only heal, but prevent. Yeah. So, well, um, it just comes down to people researching, you know, like you said, multiple sources, talk to someone like me, talk to some, talk to a bunch of people, do hit Google up, do find a bunch of websites and just, and look at the different articles because you'll see where those papers come from and look up the white papers because they're getting better at making them more understandable. Um, There'll just be a lot of keywords in there that you might have to look up on top of that just to know like, Oh, what exactly does this mean? But we'll we'll take uh, the the epilepsy side, I used almost married an epileptic woman. I should look more into that. I knew it helped, mm-hmm. uh, but by the time I was really into psychedelics, she was already gone. But with say we'll take TBI for instance, you right. know I, that's I have a TBI post fight concussion protocol or post crash. I have an athlete who, um, you know, races cars, very high level race car driver. Um, just got in a car accident 
uh, someone hit him at 150 miles an hour. Uh, he was stopped. Yeah. Mm. Bent the cage into his leg. Uh, get You know, knocked him unconscious. This isn't his first TBI. Um, scary. And, you know, my concussion protocol deals with mushrooms and ketamine and a bunch of anti-inflammatory uh, natural stuff. You know, the turmerics and the CBDs, fish oils. Um, and the instantaneous change of him taking a couple of these or ketamine, um, you know, I, I'll come to your house and like sit there and we'll we'll figure this out. We'll do it together. You know, and we'll talk and we'll go over the trauma and we'll, you know, we'll talk about the crash because that's a traumatic event or yes. the fight. Um, that's what I'm looking to do with the UFC is have a mental performance thing with ketamine and um, have a post-fight concussion protocol where, you know, fighters don't go out and party anymore. They they don't do that like we used to. Mm -hmm. uh, so for them to be able to go to their room with their own prescription of ketamine, go through a journey, whether that's with one of my coaches, which I'd like to have coaches on staff uh, at all the events or be at most of the events myself. It's just a lot of travel that I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but to have these athletes be able to go back to their rooms and do this. And then also I can make some other ancillary products, like whatever it is, CBD pack, mm -hmm. you know, um, things that the UFC's actually asked me to make. That's how all this started with the UFC. They came to me, Jeff Nowitzki sat me down for lunch. And as I own part of a, a company, we used to make CBD products. Um, he goes, can you make me a post-fight concussion serum? And I was like, well, fuck yeah, I can. Of course, man. Yes. And that, you know, because he, he he saw me healed. He's my friend. He sat on my bedside in a few different countries, my hospital bedside. Um, so that's my specialty is the TBI stuff and the healing post, post that sort of stuff. Because you got to think these kids, these men and women, they are. And like you said, they're giant children acting out their childhood traumas on stage. Mm -hmm. in their underwear for blood money in a cage of all things you know it, it's it's a lot you go in there and you give and receive ptsd the whole time you know you you beat someone up you render them unconscious and you're just like yeah, yeah. but there's something called tits trauma-induced trauma syndrome and you hurting somebody is very traumatic for yourself you know yes. so so um back to the autism and all that sort of stuff you know all disease is started with inflammation and now that we understand that trauma embeds in our tissue and turns into inflammation it festers and turns into inflammation that turns into cancer als or, or ibs or depression that's how it goes so Whatever the ailment is, this is kind of like a panacea. People, they go, there's no way psychedelics can fix all this. It does if you understand. If you understand all the way back to the epigenetic side of it, where you can inherit trauma from previous generations. I, I have a, a little kid that um, does jujitsu with my daughter. Love this kid. He's the, the nicest, happiest kid. And I don't, I, I don't give him psychedelics or anything. Or even, I mean, even neither does mother. But I do, I do have given her a lot of advice on TBI stuff. Some people just come to me because they're like, "How do I get him get these people better?" And they don't choose psychedelics because it's just a tool. Mm -hmm. But to to see a kid afflicted with a TBI 
you know, and then when they looked at his brain, he had all the symptoms. And, but then when they looked at his brain, he already had lesions on his brain. So that's mm. inherited. That's, that's inherited stuff. I'm, I'm laughing for whatever reason, cause it's not that funny. Um, but it's he not already- that it's funny, but it's, 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 it's one of those situations where you're just like, it's, this is, can be prevented. These things can be fixed. Yes. And that, and it, and it comes down to us stopping the, the trauma with each other, Yeah, yeah. you know, and I know that's, that says a lot because we're one country who does, who's onto this. Most people are not. Most countries are not at all, or most people in countries are. It's a very small sect, but we're going to be the start. We're going to help blossom this whole thing out. And through, we can all be part of the pollination effect. It's not just famous people. That's just my case study because those are the people I'm around. And I know they'll have a large impact because if I can get, um, you know, you can look at Aaron Rodgers or Will Smith, even though those are two polar different sides of it of good and bad of how to integrate and how not to integrate they still got the word out you know they still yeah, of got course. The- yeah you don't have to be you don't have to be like you said this you know all light and love and all of these ways there's there's plenty of people i know that are you know fortune 500 ceos the ruth most ruthless business people i've ever met in my life down to <clears throat> friends of mine who quite literally live in vans and promote healing through psychedelics to people like me who are in a very weird space. And it just happens to be something that has worked for my personal healing. There is a ton of things that can be done, but we need more of a society that is open-minded. Fortunately, when you have a country like America, you have people that are a little more open-minded, whether that's because they have access to information or whether that's because they have individuals, like you said, close by that are talking about this in a way that is only going to help heal people, but not from a greedy standpoint where they all have, you know, financial interest into, you know, promoting this, but it's truly because it's helped them heal in a different way. And you can see that rather than just hear them talk about it, you can see it in their actions, the way they move, the way they talk, the way they eat, the way they have conversations with one another. That all changes drastically when you start integrating psychedelics into your life for healing. Yeah, and and people need to know they can make you worse. Oh yeah. You know, or, or I don't wanna throw shade at anyone specific, so I'm gonna keep the names out of these. Okay. You know, because I've had a lot of bad interactions in this industry, being one of the first people. I, my name has been used by people look just looking to make money. Yep. Also, also been used by people that are adored in this industry because of their story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just because I know their dirty little secrets, I'm not going to put them out there. These right. people still have, that's their personal journey. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking like m- me missing millions of dollars. And I'm still just going to go... Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. guess what? <laughs> I, I sat and watched two of them specifically on stage at Wonderland. And Matthew Johnson, I was like, I don't want to go in there. I'm not going to go in there. No, no, I'm not going to go watch this. And he looks at me and goes, go sit down now. Go. Make <laughs> Stop peace. it. And I sat there and I was like, and then by the end, I was like, you know what? Let's take my feelings out of this. This story is still good. The story is of helping people and humans are always going to do human shit and we have to, we have to, I don't want to say let it slide because you have to hold people accountable, but at the same time, you have to understand that that's just how it works. It's the human condition. And we're trying to, we're trying to wring the human condition out of, out of ourselves, out of each other. Um, 
but it's going to take time. You know, not that long ago, we were savages. So mm-hmm. I think we're doing, I think we're doing pretty good. Trust me. I know the feeling sometimes when you sit there and you watch people that, you know, are avidly full of shit. The one thing that I've learned the most, uh, is especially when they're talking about you, uh, is you have to sit there and I think realize that, like I said, these are just big giant grown adults. They're really just tiny little children who have never dealt with their trauma. And it doesn't make you any better or worse because you've dealt with it. It just puts you a little further along down the road. And you just have to understand, like you said, it's the human condition. So yes, I've been there where I've sat there and been like, are you fucking kidding me? And then (laughs) part of me has had to go, nope. You know why? Nope. Because they're trying to do something good, even though they talk mad shit. It's fine. You know why it's fine? Because down the road, those people are going to turn around and look at you and go, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. And I'm going to say, you know what? It's okay. Because it, I was there too. I just got a little further down the road before you, but that's okay. Exactly. We're all just humans. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and man. It's hard oh. sometimes. You know, I'm fielding mm-hmm. a new job offer right now. And just like everybody else, they said, Oh, it'll be here by the end of the day yesterday. And is mm-hmm. it here? Not yet. I don't know what time it is. It's not noon yet. But, you know, and it's just, I, I so I'm like starting to get let down a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But it's just, I, I've learned to just go like, okay, like, whatever. I do my own thing. I have the McCall method. I have Argos. I have, I'm um, already retired. I don't have to do any of this. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's just holding your, keeping your expectations high when it comes to humans is, is hard and it's probably not the best idea you know no. you have to understand like me as a coach with fighters you know how many fighters are going to accomplish what i accomplish and you everyone wants to become the best ever the world champion you know and even me as becoming a world champion i let down everyone so bad because i had a chance to be one of the best ever realistically and uh, not being cocky, that's just I know how. No, you're I, a good fighter. You're a really oh, good fighter. Um, so I, I, you have to know that that shit's gonna go awry and people are gonna let you down. But you have to appreciate the effort. You have to appreciate the the learning experience because if you didn't if you didn't learn, then it's definitely a failure. You know that that's just, it's everything is an example to learn. Yeah. And I, and I'm glad that you said that I, like I said, I was telling you recently and I've been pretty public about it. I just finished my ninth uh, Aya ceremony and uh, because of heroic hearts project. So I'm very grateful to them for that opportunity in Peru. And um, I, well, that's one of the reasons I had to go, man, shit hit the fan last year. I'm pretty public about it. And I, you know, what's that saying? Never meet your heroes. Well, I met a couple and I, I got locked down real hard and that's okay though. Because I've learned that I needed to go, I needed to go through that. I needed to have that pain. I needed to be put in that position, not only to find out who I can trust moving forward, but also to find out more about myself and, and learn how to handle things like that. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to be let down. Like you said, I'm still waiting a year and a month later on somebody's promise to be kept, but that's okay because it's not on me. That is who that person is. And that is okay. And fortunately, I was able to move through that using psychedelics. And thank God, because it was eating me alive. 
And at what point do you give control over to others of your own emotions, right? You need to hold yourself accountable for your healing. And I think that's another thing. People need to be held accountable, but not in always the way that others want you to hold them accountable. Sometimes you have to hold yourself accountable for your healing. And that means letting go of how somebody treats you because at the end of the day, it just hurts you more than it, than it helps you. Yeah. It should never be an eye for an eye. That's, you know, people still go back to that and you go, listen to the words you're saying right now, you know, and, right. it might, it, and it, I just always want to turn the light back on myself and go, what did I do this time? What, mm -hmm. did, what did Ian do? Right. And I think that's a beautiful perspective. I, I know you have to go here soon, but I'm just really curious and interested in learning a little bit more on um, the post-concussion syndrome uh, protocol, just because, you know, my husband was a professional supercross racer. Uh, the AMA supercross has absolute garbage, 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 garbage post uh, concussion protocols. I know this to be fact only because he's been through it. I've also watched many of our uh, athletes go through it and it's not only going to help fighters, but it's going to help racers. It's going to help, like you said, anybody who whaps their head for, for a living. Um, and so where would more people listening to this find a little more about that post concussion protocol or ways that they can help heal TBIs? I'm building a program right now. I have my integration program. It's three months. Um, first month is off of elements. Second month is off of senses. Third month is off of chakras. Now with the TBI stuff, uh, I you know hit me up at the McCallmethod.com or my social media is Ian McCall. There's also the McCall Method on, on, on Instagram. I'm not on there that much, but I just go over, you know, the breath work and the meditation and adding in daily practices like that with, with the, you know, let's say with my, my athlete who hit his head, um, you know, it's about getting a ketamine prescription if, if it's legal. Some people do it illegally. I can't, I can't tell you to do that because that's illegal. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll just tell you what it is. It's a bunch of natural anti-inflammatory stuff, mushrooms, microdosing, and large dose. I would do a large dose right away um, and ketamine, ketamine right away, mix the two, you know, and then take all those supplements and you will find tremendous benefit. I don't, I don't take aspirin. I don't take, you know, Tylenol. I don't take Advil. All that stuff's not good for you. Um, it does help. Sometimes it's needed. Sometimes you got to take, you know, fucking Oxycontin. Like my, one of my other athletes had shoulder surgery. She's, in a hospital bed of course she's on obvious yeah uh, it hurts it hurts real bad and that stuff works for like a i week. know all about it <laughs> yeah, i've had seven surgeries on this arm it sucks you know but you, yeah. you you take that stuff um and i i'm also working on building this for a big scale so if you could let's talk after this let's get on the phone with your husband and see how we can approach uh supercross or ama whatever the racing series is because I've grown up, I used to train Brian Deegan and Ryan Deegan. Yeah, we know all those guys. I used to be sponsored by Metal Militia. And, oh, okay. Um, Kyle Loza for, for a long time was mm -hmm. a good mine. I haven't talked to him in years. Um, but yeah, for this is my life's work. I, I, I'm all about helping others. I don't like everything else in my life. It's why I coach. Uh, it's why I'm single. You know, I mean, I, my girlfriend lives in Mexico. She's kind of my girlfriend. Um <laughs> love her to death and we're, we'll figure it out later but i you know i am my i live a life of service so if i could get in touch with another vein of of people of athletes to help because you know 
they have some of the worst TBIs on the planet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've I've seen it firsthand. Uh, I love watching motocross. So um, that would be a fun adventure. And I can literally just, I'll, well, after we talk, I can call the, the company and go, look, I have another, I have another group. And I know they'd be into it because it's not, there's no sports performance aspect to it as far as you giving it to athletes and having them compete. Right. People are eating microdosing and UFC doesn't care. But I know a lot of sports will have some sort of issue with it because of legality. UFC just doesn't, they just don't care at all. <laughs> they're like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as you teach them to do it the right way and we're good. And right. people are doing a really good job. Um, yeah. The, the ketamine is, you know, integrated through their their weekly, monthly thing, maybe through um, all throughout tour or, you know, and then when there is a crash, you know, or they have a big traumatic event, you do it. And you do you do another big dose, and and you can kind of sprinkle it in that way, and um, eventually, you know, if I had my way, I would train a bunch of uh, a, a group of coaches that are, are motocross guys to work mm-hmm. with motocross guys because that's who works best with you. Um, you know, athlete to athlete's always easier. Athlete to veteran, veteran to athlete, sort of thing. We all we all came up as these these people looking to achieve something or to protect and do the amazing things that we do on both sides of it as warriors. Um, Cause that's all sports is, is fake war, you know, mm-hmm. and to have you put up on this pedestal, little kids, grown ups wear your outfits on Sundays or just playing in the yard. Wild. To once, once you're done, it's no more calls, no more money, no more, all, no more, all, no more attention. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not only having them have, you know, helping them perform better. That's a cool side effect. It's about making them uh, just better versions of themselves. And then post, post, um, post retirement, really helping them deal with a lot of those issues. Yeah. Cause you see a lot, that's what you see a lot of, right. When people stop racing, they stop, you know, they stop, like you said that all of that stops. I, I remember watching it. Um, I, I went, met my husband when he was racing, when he was a racer and, you know, the lineups of girls that would be there to sign my shirt. Like, I remember this, like, yeah, there's my titties, like the whole thing. Like, I remember this and, you know, you watch so many and I talked to my husband about this several times because he owns a neck brace company called Atlas neck brace. It's um, one of the safest neck braces and it's in the supercross world. Uh, Ryan Villapoto wore it. All those guys wore it. And, um, I watched, you know, you watch these guys retire and you see it, you know, you see the struggle and it's important that we, we start looking after athletes in a different way. And it's not just about concussions, but it's about integration back into society in a meaningful way, in a way that doesn't cause severe depression. So I'm glad to hear you're doing that, but I I know you and I will chat after this, but you do have to go. I'm fully aware of that. Thank you so much for your time, all of the socials. So, uh, Ian McCall, pretty much everywhere. Pretty much, I, I think Twitter is still Uncle Creepy MMA. It was a bad joke that the UFC, I never wanted that fucking name. And they <laughs> loved it. It was, it's like WWF back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Instagram. Um, and then, oh, I'm, I'm on TikTok now. Uh, so weird. Um, right. TikTok is the McCall method. I'm trying to phase me out of this because I don't, I want to be by myself. I want to be alone. Uh, I want to just, you know, have people do it for me. But uh, yeah, look at Ian McCall or the McCall method. And there's a lot of information. Um, and thank you. I'm very grateful for this. I love you guys. And, and I'm excited to help. Uh, we're, we're stoked to have you, man. We can't wait for you to come back on. Everyone else, we'll see you all next week. You stick with me.